My name is Justin, and I'm the student minister here, and uh, we are really excited to celebrate our graduating seniors this morning. And uh, this is really special, especially as a church, because graduating high school and moving on to the next step in life is incredibly intimidating, and there's a lot of weight on these young people's shoulders, and they've got a lot of decisions to make. And they're asking themselves questions like, what am I going to do for my career? How am I going to prepare for that? And where am I going to go to prepare for that? And beyond those questions, they're asking questions like, do I want to get married? How am I going to find someone if I want to get married? And am I a good enough person to get married to somebody? And so there's all these questions of adulthood weighing down on uh, young adults. And for the next few years, they're going to be having to make a lot of decisions. And all these decisions root down ultimately to the question that is this, who am I? Because who you are is going to influence where you go and what you do and the kind of person you marry and all the decisions you'll make in life. So the questions that our young people today are asking are, who am I? And that's an incredibly intimidating thing to come across. It's, it's, it's incredibly intimidating to ask yourself, who am I and how is that going to apply to the rest of my life? And so a lot of times there's this paralysis that young people are criticized for, that they don't move on faster. And a lot of times, not only are they asking themselves the question, who am I, but everybody around them, whether they mean harm by it or not, is also asking them, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Are you going to get married? Are you, you know, all these questions, and it's kind of like, oh man, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the rest of my life yet. I'm 18. I remember when I was graduating college, first of all, I was surprised. I was like, wow, I'm actually going to graduate. I didn't think this would happen. <laughs> but as I was preparing to graduate my last semester of college, I was already married to Rose, and I, was, I, was, I got this crippling fear. I wasn't so much worried when I went to college because I was kind of oblivious. But leaving college, I was like, oh, this is like the weight of the world is on me. I was making an actual budget for how we were going to support ourselves, and it was terrifying. And some, so some of our graduates are wrestling with that now. And it all stems back to who am I? And everything you do in your life is based on that question and how you answer it. And as I was pondering that question and how our young people are asking that, I thought of Moses. Uh, so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3 today. Uh, if you want to go there with us, uh, in, in your pew Bible, it is on page 46. And if you've got the, oh, excuse, yeah, the, the pew Bible is page 46, and then the student Bibles is page 69. Uh, second book of the Bible, chapter 3. I learned a ton about this just in studying it. I had uh, always been a fan of the Prince of Egypt growing up as a kid, and that's a great movie. But what you find in Scripture and also in Acts chapter 7, which we'll look at in just a minute, is really um, profound. When we, when we ask ourselves this question, who am I and how is that going to influence what's next in my life? So uh, let's, uh, let's read Exodus 3, 1 through 11 together. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. 
why the bush is not burned. Then the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Let's pause there. You can go ahead and go to the next one, but let's pause here. We all kind of wish, or at least if you're like me, you wish that God would speak to you kind of like a burning bush encounter. We all wish that God would say, here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to go. Here's how I want you to prepare. And here's how I want you to do it. We wish he would just put it out there plain and simple. But what we'll see with Moses is that when he gets this call, it's not as simple as he would think. So going on, uh, then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off off your feet for the place you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. He knew that this was the one true God because this is the God of his ancestors who had already proven himself to be legitimate. Moving on, text reads, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, also their slave drivers. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good, up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So there's the call. And get this. This is the kicker. But Moses said to God, who am I? There's the question. That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. God gives him the plan. He tells him what he's going to do. It's very clear. But Moses is internally wrestling with this question. Who am I? And in this instance, it's a question of doubt. He's saying, I'm not the guy. I'm not qualified. I'm not equipped. And the mistake he's making is that he's looking at himself for his identity. The who am I is about Moses, and he's forgetting the fact that God is the one who gives him his identity. So, uh, this who am I question that Moses asks, it's valid. He doesn't feel equipped. And I think maybe... Part of that has to do with Moses' history. So a brief snapshot of Moses' life is this. When Moses was a baby, he was born Hebrew, obviously, and at that time, the Pharaoh felt threatened by the number of the the Hebrews. So Pharaoh orders that all baby boys who are Hebrew Hebrew be thrown into the Nile River to get rid of them. Well, Moses' mom did not like that, obviously. So she takes a basket, and in a technicality, she puts tar over the basket and puts Moses in the basket and puts him in the river. So she followed the rules. She put him in the river, but Moses lives. He floats down the Nile River, and wouldn't you know it, Pharaoh's daughter is actually bathing in the river, and she sees this poor baby boy crying in a basket. She sends a servant to get him. She pulls him out of the river. Moses is Hebrew. It sounds like the word to draw out. So Moses is named after his origin of being drawn out of the river. She gets a nurse for him, and she raises baby Moses as her own son. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's household as an heir to the throne. 
When he's 40 years old, fast forward just a little bit, you actually find this account in Acts 7 if you want to go there on your own. But when Moses is 40 years old, he goes out to see his own people working. And he sees a Hebrew being abused by his slave driver. And he actually gets mad and kills the slave driver, driver, the Egyptian. He hides the body in the sand. And the next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting together and tries to reconcile that relationship. One of them turns to him and says, Who are you? Who appointed you judge over us? Are you going to do to us what you did to the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses realizes that his secret is not a secret anymore. In fact, Pharaoh is already trying to find him and have him killed. So Moses flees as a fugitive, a murderer, to the desert. He gets married. He becomes a uh, shepherd. Uh, His father-in-law that we read a minute ago, Jethro, uh, gives him sheep to herd. And 40 more years pass. At the time of Moses' burning bush encounter, he was 80 years old. And I don't know how much he spent thinking about his time growing up in the royal household in Egypt. I don't know how much time he spent herding those sheep in the desert, wondering about his experience as a murderer and what people thought of him and whether or not people even remembered him as he enters his old age. But then God comes to him and lays out the plan plainly. And he says, who am I to do what you've called me to do? In Exodus 4.10, uh, we'll go on. It says this. Uh, Mo- excuse me. Uh, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. And he says two things. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow in speech and tongue. He says, number one, I'm not eloquent. And number two, I'm slow in speech and tongue. He gives a couple excuses for why he can't do what God is calling him to But if you dig a little further, like I said, in Acts chapter 7, in verse 22, it says this. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in speech and in action. Remember, Moses had grown up in Pharaoh's household as an heir to the throne. And as an heir to the throne, what would he have been educated in? What's important for leaders to be educated in? They've got to be able to speak well. And they've got to be wise. And Moses was trained up just perfectly to be a leader. As a matter of fact, he was trained up by the enemy of God's people. So what better person to defeat the enemy of God's people and to lead God's people out of their oppression than someone who had grown up within them with their own strategy and tactics and wisdom? This education would have occurred when Moses was a young man. And now Moses is 80 years old. I don't know what all kind of doubts he had, but he was probably thinking that his time was past and that that wisdom and that ability to speak was gone. But all along, God had a plan. Even though he became a murderer and he went into exile, God had a plan. He had educated him and he had gotten him prepared for what he would soon do later on in life as a child. God's plan would not be thwarted by any of these things. God's plan would not be hindered by Moses' age. Even as an old man, it would not be hindered by that. God's plan would not be hindered by Moses' background as a murderer and a fugitive. God's plan would not be hindered by the power of the Egyptians, and nor by the weakness of Israel. 
And furthermore, God's plan would not even be hindered by Moses' own excuses. Because he had been preparing this long before Moses ever even knew about it. God had planned this before Moses was even born. God planned it before Moses was pulled out of the Nile River. And God planned it before he was educated, became a murderer, and moved into the desert. God knew what was going on, and he knew when would be the right time to call up and raise up Moses. So to our graduates especially, but really to all of us, God's plan is beyond what you can understand and what you know about right now. God has been preparing you since before you knew that he was preparing you and since before you even knew he had a plan. God's plan, just like with Moses, will not be hindered by your age. It doesn't matter if you're 18 and graduating high school or if you're 80 and you feel like you've lost your prime. God's plan will not be hindered by your uh, experience, by the things that you have done that you feel like have disqualified you. God's plan will not be hindered by your adversaries and the things that you face externally. And God's plan will not even be hindered by the excuses that you make and that I make. Because he has already equipped you to do the things that he is calling you for now and in the future. I want to show you Ephesians 2.10. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, The youth group has heard this a whole lot. Paul says, For we are God's handiwork. We're his masterpiece. And he has created that way, us that way in Christ Jesus to do good works. And this is the key that he has prepared in advance for us. We don't know what's in the future. And we don't know how God has specifically prepared us. But he has prepared us, his workmanship in Christ Jesus. And he's doing a good work in us now. And he even has plans in the future that we don't know about. Just like he did with Moses. So, we cannot know who we are. Remember the question, who am I? Who are we? We can't know who we are until we understand who God is. So here's just a basic snapshot of, of God. I've got three verses for you. We're not going to go there, but I just want to reference them. In Romans 8:32, God gave his son for us. That's how much he loves us. You see it in John 3:16 and other verses as well. God gave his only son for us. That's just a glimpse of the character of God. He chose us. He chose Moses, he chose you, and he chose me. He said, I want them to be my people, and I'm going to redeem them with my own son. That's Ephesians 1. And God intervenes, he intercedes with his spirit on our behalf. That's from Hebrews chapter 7. So that's who God is. And if we can understand who God is, then we can understand who we are. And if we can understand who we are, then we can understand what we're going to go and do and how all that applies. So, we are, one, conformed to the image of Jesus, Romans eight twenty nine. Also, you see that in Ephesians 2, 10 that we read a second ago. We are conformed to the image of Jesus. We are God's masterpiece, and he has created us to do good things that he's prepared in advance. We are justified through faith. God sees us as righteous and justified through Christ. That's Romans 5. And primarily, we are children of God from from John 1. Because of his son and because of his justification, we have become, we have the right to become children of God. He's a good God. He loves us and we are his children. And so because we know who God is, we now know who we are. As a child of God, there is no circumstance or no call that he has for your life 
that you cannot handle with him at your side. So the call for us is similar to the call that he had on Moses. The question is, will we have the faith to answer that call and to follow him faithfully? We'll mess up. It'll be challenging. It'll be just like Moses' experience. Moses made lots of mistakes along the way, but God's plan was never hindered because of his mistakes, because it was not by Moses' power that any of this was done. And that's the case with us, too. It's not about our power. It's not about our ability, but it's about God working through us as his children. So Moses decides to answer the call. He says, I'm going to go back to Egypt. But he does the right thing, and he asks his father-in-law, Jethro, for his blessing before he leaves. Jethro gives him his blessing, and he goes back to Egypt, and Israel is freed. So in the same way that Moses, when he answered God's call and he went out to act on it, asked for a blessing, I'm going to give a blessing to our graduates now. So if y'all will come up, uh, I'm going to read some words that I've written over you. Uh, As I said a minute ago, it is so valuable as a church family to uh, shower our graduates with blessing and encouragement and prayer to remind them that they're not alone and that they have our support uh, wherever they go and however God works in their lives and calls them. So thank you all for making it all the way down here. So uh, many of these students you may not have recognized. Some of them have grown up here since they were children, uh, and many of them were born here, and then some of them are brand new within this last year. So uh, that is the power of our kids and their friendships and how they are a light to everybody around them. So uh, if you don't know some of these students, that is why, and I encourage you to meet their families. So for Destiny... I'm so glad that you and your family came to Western Hills. Your faith is an inspiration, and I can see how God uh, is growing you as a follower of Jesus. Your presence in our youth group has been a blessing for everyone, especially for the other girls, and I'm excited for the career you're going into. God will use you to impact others, not only by bringing them to physical health, but as an example of what Jesus is like for their spiritual filling. God's Spirit is in you. He will use you as a light and an ambassador of his kingdom. So don't be timid, uh, but confidently use every opportunity in your career and beyond to be a messenger of the hope for those who don't, net, don't yet know Jesus. As you already know, you aren't alone. God goes with you, and you have an army of people here at Western Hills and beyond who are praying for you. So lean on God for support in every season. We aren't meant to run this race alone. To Allie. It's been wonderful getting to know you and having you in our group, and I'm so glad you've been a part of our group this year. You have a great hunger for Scripture and truth, and I really appreciate that. I celebrate that and encourage you to continue to seek truth as you walk with Jesus. Keep being consistent as you follow Jesus, and don't let anything throw you off track. The example you set will be a light and a testimony to everyone around you. Your life will be a testament to the fact that Jesus is Lord and He is faithful. You're a fantastic sister to Sydney, and that's wonderful to see. And the example you set for her cannot be replaced. You're doing uh, a world of good by blessing your sister the way you do. I am praying for you, and I will keep praying for you. And remember that you have a church family that loves you and is praying for you. To Anna Jo, uh, your spirit is an encouragement and a blessing to us all. The peace of God is evident in you as God's fruit. Uh, So continue to walk in step with the Spirit, bearing fruit in it. 
Remember that your disposition will point to Jesus whether you speak of him or not. And be bold and confident in Christ wherever you go as a child of the great king. There's no challenge set before you that God will not faithfully take you through just like he did with Moses. In everything, trust God and he will make your path straight. That's Proverbs 3. You'll hear it a lot in this season. As you continue your journey, seek wisdom and learn from those who God has placed in your life intentionally, and those people are going to speak truth and grace over you in a way that will fuel you. Draw near to those who speak life to you. I'll be praying for you, as I always have been, I'll be, um, and know that God is faithful and answers my prayers and everybody else's prayers. To Gwen, uh, we're honored that you decided to make Western Hills your home recently, and we have been uh, had the privilege of uh, your friendship. Uh, I pray we've been an encouragement to you and that we will continue to be a blessing to you. Keep seeking Jesus and don't be afraid to step out on faith wherever he leads you. God promises that he will always be with us even until the end of the age. And that promise is for you too. With that in mind, live with confidence and boldness. There's no challenge before you that God will not lead you through. In fact, he's already prepared you just like he did with Moses for that season. I'm glad you'll be in town for college, and I'll be praying for our college group and that they can be a family for you and a support to you uh, this fall. To Cooper, you are a natural leader, and your leadership has been a wonderful blessing to our group. You aren't just a leader in action, but in personality and character. The standard you have set will go to bless others in our youth group after your time here, and I pray you will continue to faithfully go where God calls you to lead. Don't doubt God's power to do great things through you. And always remember that your strength comes from above. Same with Moses. Keep leading regardless of your position. Whether you're in charge or whether you're not, be a leader through your personality and example. Remember who you are. You're a child of God. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. And let that truth be the foundation and identity that you go by. I'm praying for you and excited for you to be at Harding. To Cutter. You are an incredible friend. In a world where where genuine people are the minority, encouragement that you give to your peers will impact them in big ways for their whole lives. With that, remember how powerful your influence and words can be to bless those who aren't noticed by most people. Keep being a good friend. You also have an incredible wit, so remember to love God with all of your mind. With that being one of your greatest gifts, use it to serve God in every season of your life. You're also a wonderful servant. Keep serving. Your willingness to help in any way needed is awesome. Don't give that up. Keep serving in any capacity you can. I can see Jesus in you by the way you serve and work and your work ethic. I'm praying for you, and God is working powerfully in your life. To Emma, you have incredible joy. God's Spirit is evident uh, in you through that. Keep being joyful in the Lord. By this, others will see that the abundance of joy, what abundance of joy there is in Christ. And don't let that joy be stolen ever. Continue in your faith and keep your eyes on Jesus. You do a wonderful job of including others. Keep that up too. By doing so, you act as the outstretched hand of God towards others. And remember who you are to God. You're a child of the great King, and nothing can separate you from God's love. In that, you have access to a confidence that the world does not know. The creator of the universe has your back, and God's spirit lives in you. Out of that, let your light shine, and I'm praying for you. Warren, 
It's been wonderful having you with us, and your humor is outstanding. Uh, your humor has been a huge blessing to our group, and your love for God is great. Your willingness to serve is also outstanding. You're always willing to step up and be there uh, wherever anything is needed. Thanks for p- pitching in. You're always looking for something you can help with. That servant mindset is from Christ, and others can see the character of Christ by the way you serve. So as you continue to serve, wherever you go and whatever you do, remember that it is not by your own power that you do good things, but it is through the Holy Spirit working within you. Keep being joyful in the way you serve. It's a statement to who God is. So stay confident in the fact that God is working through you, sometimes in ways you might not even realize at the time. He who calls you is faithful, and he will continue the good work he started in you. I'm praying for you, and he's faithful to answer those prayers. To Ray, your conviction that Jesus is Lord is evident by the fruit of your life. People can see that by your conduct everywhere. So remember how great your influence is and uh, as you move on to touch more lives. God will use you in ways you may expect and maybe in some ways you may be surprised by. So continue to faithfully follow and trust him in every season as he leads you. I can see how you follow Jesus in ways that aren't comfortable or popular. Keep that up. Keep making the difficult decisions to follow Jesus. Uh, Be willing to follow him in ways that set you apart from the world in a way that gives others a glimpse of Jesus. I can see how resilient your faith is, and I know you follow Jesus even when it's difficult. And God will reward that. Stay steadfast in it and lean in to people who will speak truth and life to you. Continue to live in step with the Spirit and to please the Spirit in you. I'm praying for you and excited to see what God continues to do in your life. To Evan, I'm glad you've been with us this year. It's been exciting. Uh, Even in a short time, you've blessed others in our group with your presence. Your friendship and encouragement are contagious. You You have the best questions. It's been awesome to hear your questions and start conversations with everyone based on what you're wondering about. So keep asking questions. You'll find truth if you seek it, and God will use you to guide others into truth if you seek answers for yourself. Love God with all of your mind. We'll miss you, and we'll be praying for you. And remember that you're backed by our youth group and church family. Remember how great your influence is while you're in college. Hold to your convictions And others will see that and come to know Jesus by the testimony of your life. Pray for your friends and peers. Be bold in your faith. In and out of season, I'm praying for you and excited for you. I have a scripture that I want to share with you all. Uh, It's from 2 Peter 1, 3. It says, His divine power has given us, and I'm going to say you in this instance, everything you need for godly life through your knowledge of Him who called you by His own glory and goodness. So he has given you everything you need, uh, and he's going to do great things through you. So I'm going to pray for y'all before we move on. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this group of students, and thank you for the way they have uh, bonded together and have encouraged one another and set an example in life and faith and speech and godliness. Please uh, fill them with your spirit and give them your confidence and your power. Uh, Please protect them from evil and build your kingdom through them. Um, please keep their eyes fixed on Jesus and let them continue to have joy uh, and life through you. Please give them endurance to run the race 
through seasons that are difficult and challenging and through doubt uh, and pain that this life will bring uh, and give them the victory over that. Thank you for Jesus. Please bind them together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.